You know, it's very traditional for us to say, it's, it's funny, old, old joke back when the Star Wars movies came out and it said, and so if, when it was shown in Minnesota, you know, where there were lots of Lutherans, and it said, may the force be with you, and everyone in the audience said, and also with, and also with you, right? Yeah, so on Christmas we say, the Lord be with you, and also with you, because he is, Emmanuel, God is with us, that's what we're celebrating tonight, and, and, and what a treasure it is. What a treasure it is. I want to focus on here just in the beginning to talk a little bit about treasure, a treasure hunt. I don't know how many of you as a kid, I think almost all little boys and maybe most little girls and at some point dug up their backyard um, trying to find hidden treasure because we were sure we could find such treasure. And so, you know, and those stories uh, capture us. They've captured us in movies, films, books, and and so forth. And there are real life ones as well. When we talk about going on a treasure hunt, let's show it like this one here. Like there's your typical, right, treasure map that you find, you know, and you find some treasure map and then you hunt for this thing and you go through the obstacles and this and that. And they make video games out of it. One of my son's favorite one, Nathan Drake. I forget what it's called. Sorry. Uncharted. Uncharted. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you and my son have similar likes. That's great. Um, but like, you know, so you can see where you go and X marks the spot, right? X marks the spot of the treasure. And then you have other ones in our popular culture. So, right? Indiana Jones, you know, hunting for treasure and finding those things. And of course, he always says, this belongs in a museum, you know. For most of us, that's not what we would say. Or maybe you would. I wouldn't. But anyway, so you have stories like Indiana Jones. Then you get to Nicolas Cage. And Nick, right? There you go. Go to the next one. Uh, Yeah, and so we have, you know, uh, National Treasure. And you find the big treasure storeroom, the hoard where that is. And then other stories. There's all kinds of things. Even like in the Marvel Universe, you find the Tesseract or Infinity Stones or things like that. And then in my favorite series of all the Lord of the Rings ones, right, then you get that image uh, with the Hobbit where he finds the dragon smogs treasure hoard and how the dwarves kind of... Um, lust after that and long to possess it. Their whole lives are kind of consumed by it in that world, in Middle Earth. And so, and a dragon's heart is turned that way. C.S. Lewis plays with this idea too in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where you can, your heart can turn dragony because you are longing for such treasure to possess it. And your whole world and your whole life is drawn to treasure. And and we can kind of alter that idea a little bit in our own lives, um, kind of adjust it to other, other areas. But there's some real-life examples of this, too. Let's go to the next picture. And this is Mel Fisher. His wife's name is Deo. And he became obsessed with sunken treasure off of Key West, Florida. And so there were two Spanish galleons that sunk, the Ochoa. Uh, and I forget the name of the other one, but it was the Ochoa that they, they ended up finding. It sunk in 1622, loaded with gold from the Americas, headed back uh, to Spain. And it sunk near Key West. And so that was a legend, and he began searching for it. In 16 years, he woke up every day searching for this treasure, he and his wife and his crew and his family. In fact, it obsessed and consumed him so much, searching for this treasure, uh, one of his sons actually died in a boat accident in the process of searching for this treasure. But you know what's interesting? Every day, every day, he'd get up with his crew, they'd go out of Key West, they were based in Key West, they would head out, 
to hunt for this treasure. And you know what he said that day? Today's the day. Every day he would say, today's the day. And so, you know, it, consume, it can consume your waking thoughts, your sleeping thoughts. It consumes your conversations with others. Treasure hunts like this can so dominate us sometimes that it's the only topic of conversation. Anytime that person is in that place, it's almost like for me in building a house. It seems like the, it's almost consuming. It's consuming in that kind of way. And that can consume all of us. In fact, um, the famous theologian Billy Joel, <laughs> one of my favorite albums, Piano Man, it tells you how old I am. Um, moving Out, that's the name of the song. Anthony works in a grocery store. Can you start humming a few bars, right? Anthony works in a grocery store saving his pennies for someday. Mama Leone left a note on the door. She said, Sonny, move out to the country, right? Get a nice house in the burbs. Working too hard can give you a heart attack. Ack, 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 ack. You ought to know by now. Who needs a house out in Hackensack? Is that what you get for your money? And then he goes, oh, it seems like such a waste of time. If that's moving up, then I'm moving out. It's kind of his theme. He has another verse. Sergeant O'Leary's walking the beat at night. He becomes a bartender, right? So he's pulling down two jobs. He works at Mr. Cacciatore's down on Sullivan Street across the medical center. He's trading in a Chevy for a Cadillac. You ought to know by now. And if he can't drive with a broken back, at least he can polish the fenders. And so Billy Joel, you know, in, the, in this song from the 70s, actually pulls in that idea of that pursuit of treasure, that hunting for that, that consuming search for those things. And then, you know, even famous, uh, we were laughing, you know, Chris is uh, such a, Chris and Samantha, you know, so into theater, Fiddler on the Roof, and uh, Tevye, you know, what made the song very, very, If I Was a Rich Man, right? And some of his lyrics in that, um, I wouldn't have to work hard to build a big tall house, rooms by the dozen, right in the middle of the town, fine tin roof, right? Tells you where his standard, you're right? The bar is a little different. The bar is a little different for Tevye in, um, for being a Jewish man in the, in the time of the czars in Russia. He talks about there'd be one long staircase going up, another one just coming down, one more going nowhere just for show. I'd fill my yard with chicks, turkeys, geese, and ducks for the town to see and hear squawking as noisily as they can. I see my wife, Golda, looking like a rich man's wife with a proper double chin. Supervising meals to her heart's desire, I see her putting on airs, strutting like a peacock. Oy, what a happy mood she's in. The most important, I got a point to this, I'm getting there. The most important men in town would come to fawn on me. They'd ask me to advise them like Solomon the Wise. If you please, Reb Tevye, pardon me, Reb Tevye. Posing problems that would cross a rabbi's eyes. And it wouldn't make one bit of difference if I'm right or wrong. When you're rich, they think you really know. But if I were rich, I'd have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray. And maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. And I'd discuss the holy books with the learned men several hours every day. And that would be the sweetest thing of all. So that pursuit of treasure, you know what I love about the Christmas story is how human it is. Um, Mary and Joseph, probably a teenage girl, small town, not from the metropolis. They're, they don't run in the right circles. They're just folk. They're just us. I mean, unless you don't consider yourself just folk. They're just folks. And yet to them, 
God delivers a message that overwhelms them, in which to both of them, angels have to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But my guess is Mary and Joseph were in pursuit of those things. We're in pursuit of that, right? I mean, maybe we're not Mel Fisher. They found it, by the way. 1985, they found the sunken treasure. $450 million worth of gold and treasure. That one right there. That's part of it. $450 million, they found it. At the cost of his son and his marriage. He said, if anyone told you to invest in me, I would tell you you're an idiot. I mean, it paid off. But who knew? That pursuit of treasure. I'm guessing that Mary and Joseph did the same thing. I mean, what are we in pursuit of? Strong families? Families that love one another? Friends that we can trust? That we have great relationships with? Wouldn't we, that be kind of a treasure hunt? Or what about like uh, just having enough wealth to make it through retirement or make it through um, a recession or a crashing stock market? Enough stuff to just kind of live. What about having a sense of purpose? I mean, there's a reason for me to wake up every morning. What I do, or maybe to at least have the respect of the people around me. They don't have to bow down to me, but it might be nice to be respected. And, or, or let's even make this spiritual. Maybe it would be great to have time, like Tevya says, the sweetest thing of all, to be able to be in the Word, to be able to hear the promises of God, and to not be so consumed by everything else that that kind of is an afterthought or pushed to the side. I'm guessing that Mary and Joseph had those same, those same hopes. You know, you know it, right? Joseph had proposed to Mary. Hey, will you be my wife? Little town, they all know each other. Would you be my wife? Yes, she's delighted, honored, thrilled. They're, joy, they're joyful, looking forward to it. And all of a sudden, she has to send that word. Uh, Joseph, going to have a baby. So here's the thing that is interesting. In that moment, you could argue that mo so much of those treasure hunting things that they were after, that hunt for treasure in their lives, was lost. In their minds, it was lost, dashed. Think about a small town, very devout, very religious. Mary's pregnant, not married. Both of them come under. I mean, in our culture today, nobody thinks, nobody bats an eye. Whether we should or not, we can have a whole other discussion on that. But in that one... The shame was overwhelming. And so, in fact, it's almost certainly why Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, like before she's showing too much. So she makes that trip south to Jerusalem. Because the gossip and the heartache and the aspersions on your character and the hatred, it's ugly. It's ugly, and it can be. All those hopes for all that treasure that they were longing for, you could argue, tossed. But let's do a before and after. There's a before Jesus, a B.C., and then there's an A.D. Before Christ, right? And Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And in the birth of our Lord, those same things are transformed unexpectedly. Friends and family, now Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus are known forever as the Holy Family. They have a family that goes beyond their blood because of bloodshed. There goes on beyond them as shepherds show up at their door, as magi and astronomers and kings come from 
around from points far and wide. Now they have a different family, a family given to them by God, a family created by the infant they hold in their arms. Or a treasure, provision, and wealth. Do I have enough for what I have? Well, now, what does she hold in her arms? An eternal treasure that can never spoil or fade. Not subject to the stock market, nor the vagaries of political actions, or the hopes that precious metals will hold their value. But that the King of Kings and the Lord of all creation is in your very arms. What purpose do I have in life? Mary's own words, all people will call me blessed. From generation to generation, God will see his faithfulness through what he is doing in me. A transcendent purpose for humanity to be restored. And then the the last one, time in the word. Tevye's heart wanting to sit and listen to the rabbi. Why listen to the rabbi when the word made flesh is your child? And so they not only have time in the word, but they have the word itself close to their heart in their family. So what was lost through disgrace in their little town, through their circumstances, their questionable pregnancy, what was lost through disgrace is now gained unexpectedly and in far greater way than they themselves could have imagined. But so it was with the rest of the story. That's what's true about the cross. I tell you this every year. If all we talked about was a manger and a baby, I would not be telling you enough. Because the baby grows up, and that same disgrace happens in the cross. A shameful, offensive tragedy. A crucified victim of capital punishment. Accused of blasphemy. Of, of, of a disgrace against the Roman Empire. You can imagine that gossipers about Jesus and his death, those that were mocking him, insulting him on the cross, might have been the very same insults that were said to his mother and to his father back in the day. What a disgrace. How shameful. Look at what you brought upon your family. Those same comments may have even been said against Jesus as he grew up. But it was that greatest of all disgraces on the cross that give us the hope of glory that we could not even imagine. So the pursuit of treasure begins and ends here. This night, today's the day, in a tiny newborn infant whose helpless body contained the infinite majesty of the Almighty, our Savior whose work on the cross ended the reign of sin and death and darkness. So if we had a treasure map, We could be assured that X that marks the spot of the treasure would be found right here, right there, in that manger, that stable in Bethlehem that happened 2,000 years ago, in the person who gave himself on another X, a cross, that our disgrace might be transformed into his glory, our triumph, and our treasure You know, Jesus in his adult ministry talks about treasure a lot. He challenges people and confronts people, but there's one instant that I just love the most. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a treasure in a field. You know this story? It's real short. He says the kingdom of God is like a treasure in the field. And the man, when he was plowing that field, he came across that treasure. And in his joy, he gave up everything that he might possess that treasure. 
And many people throughout the years have said, and it's not wrong to say this, that that treasure is Jesus. That which lies in the manger is that treasure. You can say that, right? Of course. That's an of course thing. And that we should give up everything we have in order to get that. And so we should. And so we come to the manger. And so we flock there. But here's the challenge. When are you sure you gave up enough to get it? And so here's how I think Jesus really means it. Jesus is the one plowing the field. And the treasure, my friends, is you. And upon coming upon that treasure, in his joy, he gave up everything that you might be his own. And so if we're on a treasure hunt, and if we're on a treasure map, if we're looking for a treasure map, the map that we have is this. The map that we have was given to us in our baptism. Our baptism into Christ reminds us of how Jesus views treasure, for in our baptism... We are given the sign of the cross. Receive the sign of the Holy Cross upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one who's been redeemed by Christ the crucified. X marks the spot of the treasure. And so that second treasure map is made. A map that Jesus pours over, is passionate over, concentrate for in his great and loving plan. That X marks the spot of what he sees as treasure. The X of the cross marks us all. And you are his greatest treasure, for which he gave up everything that you might be his own. You know, there's one more verse with this that I just love. Mary heard all the things the shepherds did, the angels' announcement, and says this, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Isn't that, don't you just love that? Well, what do you think that means? I mean, over the years, I think, oh, she remembered it now and then. You know, it came to mind. She had a scrapbook. I don't think so. The treasure was laid up in her heart, and that treasure was her son. As that's, can you imagine? No, none of us can imagine it, can we? Moms, maybe you can a little bit. As that child grows inside you, that is your treasure. And that treasure was held in her heart. That treasure was present with her. Her Jesus, her baby, God in the flesh, who would give everything for the world. That treasure was in her arms that night and comes to us as well. And so we come tonight, thank you for coming, to welcome our greatest treasure into this world and renew our hearts even as he reaches out to us all. You, who are his priceless treasure, redeemed and loved by our infant king. Today's the day. Oh, come. Let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Amen.